Konnichiwa, Tim San. Hello, Ryan. And <laughs> hello, everyone. <laughs> Welcome to episode 152 of Dismembering Horror, the podcast show where myself, Ryan McDuffie, and myself, Tim Aslan. That's right. We dismember, just like the name of our podcast, we dismember a horror film every week. We talk about what worked for us, what did not work for us, and anything else we found interesting or noteworthy. We're on a, a, a grand epic quest to see all the sight unseen for Tim and myself in the realm of horror and to revisit the long since seen, all that good stuff. And we're here to talk about it afterwards and digest it, which as we find and we hope you find too, horror offers plenty to chew on and then indeed digest. Yep. <laughs> and today, from 1960, from Japan, Jigoku. <laughs> yep. Great. Hell. Exactly. Translated to hell. Cool. Uh, Tim, before we get into Jigoku, a couple orders of business. Mm. First, since we recorded... Our episode on Damien Omen 2, two weeks ago, we were talking about the first one. I told you my Richard Donner anecdote, who directed the first one. You know, you're nodding. He passed away yesterday as of recording this. On uh, I blame you. June, <laughs> thanks, June, <laughs> June 5th. So, um, yeah, so if you heard that episode, you know, we... we record these a couple of weeks behind when they come out. So that's why we didn't mention it then. But boy, I wanted to mention it now. Uh, my, my anecdote I told about him real quick was when I told him, I met him and told him that Omen was one of my favorite horror movies. As I described him then as a real yuckster, he just responded, yeah, me too. <laughs> and Tim's shaking his head again. It's just such a dad, it's such a dad joke. It's so, it's so Dick Donner of him. Yeah, you're always making... Dad oh, joke attempts, Tim. Attempts? How dare you? <laughs> uh, great. So, yeah, the great director of many a, a wonderful film, Richard Donner. Thank you for your work. Rest in peace. And now, Tim, for the other order of business, I had a inquiry from a listener of ours. Whoa. Who noted that it would seem that... Uh, I tend to like more movies than you or on a spectrum. There'll be mo more movies that I like that you don't. And so he asked, are there any that you, Tim, have liked that I have not? Now, I could only think of two in all of our 151 episodes <laughs> before this where uh, there was only one clear one and one that was, I think, just uh, a lower rating, but I didn't necessarily dislike it. Now, can you think of what those are? Oh my god. Can I? Um, jeez. Uh, 
what did I like more than you? That's well, a really good question. Let's build on the ones I thought of. I don't want to, I mean, why? You why? thought of them right off the top of your head? No, I had to look at them. you had to look? Yeah. So Ooh. the first one that I saw and thought of was Demon from 2015. Oh, I know one. Which, if you remember, I gave... Wait, Demon? Which one is Demon? That was the one at oh, the right, right, possession right. Yeah, at yeah, the yeah, wedding. Yeah, 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 the... Uh... Where was that? I made? went as far as to give that as an avoid, apparently. <laughs> That's right. And you gave it a rent. Mm-hmm. I can think of one that I like that you don't like or okay, well, didn't like very much. The last one that I had was uh, way early on Planet of the Vampires. I liked it, but you gave a higher rating to mm-hmm. it. I also liked Starry Eyes, and you did not. I liked it. Well, you didn't like you, it as much as I like it. Indeed. And that was, that was the inquiry. Yeah, yeah. I'd forgotten about that one, too. Um, I'm, you know, just a curmudgeon. What do you want? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what it is, but it's interesting. Well, I think you have a, a wider, I don't know what you would call it, a wider, uh, acceptance. (laughs) You know, like you can, you can get into a thing in spite of its crappiness. Yeah. And I have a much harder time with that. Except for also the uh, the remake, one of the remakes, the 2020 remake of The Grudge. We went in theaters and saw it. <laughs> we both said avoid, I believe. I, I would hope. But uh, I was more viscerally mad than you, I think. <laughs> so I think that, do you think, I, I, I don't know if we address this or or touched on it at all but do you think that that's because you hold the grudge and juan in in, it's more personal and like more of your thing that you love i think that's that much more offensive it's hard because that was definitely like icing on the cake that made me sadder but it didn't make the movie like the movie was plenty bad on its own even if i wasn't a fan so Yeah. So yes and no, I guess. True. It was all the it was the whole experience. Yeah. But remember those seats? <laughs> yeah, good seats. <laughs> right in front. Real cushy. At the or like loungy. At the, the Universal City Walk. Yep. After half an hour of trailers. We probably would have been better off just going to sleep. <laughs> yes. They're but comfortable. We have a job to do here, <gasps> Tim. As we do as we That's do today true. too. You know what movie I loved that you hated? The Girl Next Door. <laughs> that was sarcastic, everyone. Uh, <laughs> Tim hated that, too. We both did not like that. Okay, you're right. Great. Well, well, listener, you know who you are. There's a little bit on that. I think uh, that's what we could dig up there. All right. Well, we got another full movie to talk about today, Tim. We got to travel to Jigoku and back. And we start that, like we do every episode, with a trailer. Are you ready, Tim, for the trailer for Jigoku? I'm ready to to not like it. How's that? Just to carry on <laughs> the, the theme. Great. Perfect. <laughs> All right. Here we go. As I just said, from 1960, from Japan, Jigoku. Jigoku <laughs> Hey, 
求め歩く一青年を描いて Jikoku, directed by Nobuo Nakagawa. Screenplay also by Nobuo Nakagawa and Ichiro Miyagawa. There you go. There you go. Well, Tim, after our trailer comes our rating. So, per our rating system, would you, Timothy Ryan Aslan, tell yourself to avoid it, stream it, rent it, or buy it? Um, I'm after a day. I'd say I, I sort of、uh, floated into a, a low rent from a high stream. <laughs> Great. <laughs> you had no idea what those words meant. <laughs> a low rent, floated from a low rent. No, a high stream to a low rent. Yep. Great. Floating in streams is apropos、mm-hmm. for this mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. Great. I think pretty much from the opening credits, no matter what, I was a rent it. Like,、mm. I, I mean, that's fair. It was, <laughs> it,、uh, it had its highs and lows. I feel like <laughs> if I watched it again, I'd probably follow it better. This was definitely one of those、yeah. where it was like, wait, there's, okay, there's the same actor and she's playing different characters and like everyone dies by a car accident and, and what? <laughs> you know, you're like trying to put it all together. Yeah, it's a little. It's, it's like convoluted. Of, yeah.、Maybe. There's like just, it's all like a kind of a soap opera going on. Right. With like gangsters. And then we're just in hell for the second half. And great.、Yeah. You, do, there's, there, you can follow it or not at that point. That's <laughs> right. <laughs>、um, but yeah, no, just, the, just the, the feel of it, the creativity, the, the strangeness from the opening credits.、Yeah. You know, it luckily went back to that by the Thank end. Thank God. Because there was, yeah. It, it, I, I got worried. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. It set you up for something. And I was like, I hope, I hope we get to go to hell. Yeah. We did. Yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> right. And there were those first shots at the beginning, too, that、right. we kind of repeated later. So, anyway, for all that, and I'm always, have a, I'm always interested in and have a soft spot for Japanese horror. So, yeah, I got to give it a rent, solid rent. Cool. All right. Well, with that, after we just set up how convoluted it was、Oof. and is, Tim, I'm、I、looking to you this,、right? for our summary. Okay. So you got a guy,、um, Shiro. And he's engaged. And he's got a kind of a just not a cool best friend who, <laughs> you know, whatever. Don't worry about it. But what's his name? Uh, uh, Tamura. Tamura. Right. So, Tamura is kind of a jerk. He's just that guy. He's that guy that's just kind of always popping up.、Um, Literally in this sense. Yeah, that keeps happening. Anyway, so Shiro's got a fiance.、Um, uh, damn it. Remind me of her name, too. Oh, his girlfriend, Yukiko. Right, Yukiko. So, who's the daughter of his professor? Who is the daughter of his professor? Oh, man. This gets. It's, it's quite wild, actually. But just the, the, the family tree of it all is, is quite <laughs> wild. But the gist of the story is that Shiro 
and uh, his best bud, who sucks, um, hit a drunk guy on their way home. And they don't know if they've killed him, but, they, you know, Shiro feels very guilty. His friend kind of is like, well, whatever, whatever. If if you say anything, you're responsible too because you told me to, to take this route home. <laughs> Which is the, just the <laughs> stupidest <laughs> argument. But okay, dude. And he gets him with it. You know, he gets under Shiro's skin and in his head. So, oh my God. So... They get very uh, anxious. They find out that the guy did die. And that guy's girlfriend or wife, girlfriend, let's say, and mother decide that they are going to exact revenge. They're going to figure out who killed their loved one and they're going to kill him. So that's our first story setup of the story. (sighs) Then all hell kind of breaks loose. Shiro goes out of town to his mom because she's dying. Uh, His dad runs a kind of like a convalescence home that's like not very well run. It's kind of, uh, there's problems. His dad is dating another woman because his mom is too sick to be a wife, I guess. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I skipped a huge part before he goes out of town. Uh, his fiance dies in a car accident because he insisted on taking a, a cab uh, to wherever they're going, dinner or something like that. Uh, and that cab crashes mysteriously. Uh, I guess you could say that the the reason the cab, well, maybe not the reason, but something in the cab that happens that is a constant theme in this movie is that Shiro's friend who sucks pops into his head and he like thinks he's driving the car. So he's got this sort of like almost magical influence over Shiro. Um, But anyway, the car crashes, the driver dies, his fiance dies and his fiance's parents are very upset. Rightly so. That's when he gets a call about his mom goes to deal with his mom. And then there's this whole second act of him dealing with the small little community of people at this convalescence home. One of which is their, his parents' neighbor, who is the daughter of a painter that his parents were friends with, who is now a drunk. And the daughter looks exactly like his dead fiance. Um, his dad's girlfriend comes on to him a lot. Uh, they have celebrate a celebration uh what is it the 10 year celebration annual celebration of the place um it's just wacky it's like all over the place yeah and like moment to moment uh there's his, the bridge scene his best well i'm getting there his, <laughs> his best friend shows up there's this long proclamation about like his best friend basically calls every single person out and he's like you're all bad people you all have killed people and you you know maybe not like you put the knife in them but you doctor you you know malpractice you cop you you accused a guy wrongfully and he ended up killing killing himself uh who else are you journalist you wrote a story about a guy that that made that was you know bs and it made him lose his mind and jump out a window or whatever so 
there's this ongoing theme of sort of like everybody's guilty of being a shitty person. Um, and then <laughs> the wife and mother of the original drunk guy who got run over by Shiro uh, and his friend show up. Um, they convince him to meet on a bridge, a rope bridge kind of thing, which is very cool over a big canyon. Um, but then she dies. She falls off of it. <laughs> and then his best friend pops up as he's wont to do. Uh, he tries to kill Shiro, Shiro, but he falls off the bridge too. So like everybody's just dying, falling off bridges. <laughs> um, and then, okay, so then that's sort of the end of the second act. Then we just, we just decide we go to hell. And it is because they all either eat uh, bad fish or drink poison. <laughs> that's right. That's right. How does Shiro get there? It's, he's, he, isn't he in the scene where they drink? They drink around the table the, that's oh, poison. Oh, yes, that's right. When that's the right. clock stops. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, right, exactly. Um, and part of that, like, I don't even remember how the poison got passed around, but it was like a gift. It was like, um, you know, like a liquor that the I think the best friend brought, right? Mm-hmm. Anyway, so. The mother, yeah. Oh, right, the mother. That's right, yes. Okay, so it's like, as we said, it's it's kind of convoluted. It's wacky, but like, you could kind of follow. It's just, there's a lot going on. The hell sequence is wild. But the gist is that... (laughs) Here we go. What we discover, or what the devil, I guess, sort of just, like, reveals is... See if you can follow me around this. Shiro's fiancé was pregnant with his child. The daughter of the painter, who looks exactly like his fiance is actually Shiro's sister because Shiro's mother had an affair with the painter who's yes. And that child is the daughter that looks exactly like his fiance. Is that right? I'm pretty sure that's right, but I'm not a hundred percent sure unless it's, his fiance's mom who had the affair. That might be it. <laughs> and that's why the daughter looks the same. I don't know. I, I started to really lose track at this point. All that matters is, <laughs> is there's like a couple weird love triangles that we get Shiro get finds Sachiko, but the reunion is interrupted by Ito, who reveals that Sachiko is his sister. So Shiro is actually Ensai's son, and Sachiko is actually Ito's daughter. Does that help at all? Oh, that's right. Shiro is the painter's son. Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> did, did that? That it hurts my brain so much to try and <laughs> sort out. It kind of doesn't matter, but... You get the idea. It's not yeah. so. It's like it's like this person was with this person before this happened, blah, 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 et cetera. Like, but what the the sort of thrust of the hell scene is Shiro realizing that he can kind of save his well, dead child uh from his fiance 
and that will kind of redeem him in this hellscape. But he has to track down that child who is in hell in the sort of the this particular area, which is the river that the that dead children who die before their parents go. It's like a limbo thing. Whew. And he does, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> he gets on a big wheel and then freeze frame and the movie's over. After seeing the frozen clock again. Everybody gets held, held up. <laughs> Pretty gnarly. Everybody suffers some really gruesome, you know, death, like repeated death, torture, eight levels of hell kind of stuff, which is really cool. Tim, wonderful job. You, you, were, <laughs> you were paying attention in I, class. I watched the movie. <laughs> yeah. Hey, great job. Whew. Rough one, though. <laughs> and we hope you've watched it, too. So, But if not, either way, that serves as a refresher. <laughs> uh, great, 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 great. All right. Well, then with that, if we're all ready, we can move on to our next section. How about it? I think that's a good idea. All right. Here we go. What worked? What worked? What worked for you? What worked for you? It worked like a charm, Smith. What worked? What worked for you? In spite of that long diatribe of a summary I like the weird convoluted like plot and all of these strange reveals like the interconnectivity sort of thematic stuff and it's all kind of or literally wrapped up in people like their guilt around decisions that they made in life and i I like that stuff. I think that all that thematically, that's really great. Um, So, you know, even though it took a kind of meandering path to get there, ultimately, I was really into that. Yeah, for me, I mean, again, the first watch that's being able to follow the specifics, all that was kind of aside the point because like I got... They were all guilty of sins and yeah. uh, a lot of death going on. <laughs> you know, you know, like I got it. Despite all that, I will say, yeah, that that ties to, I guess, I mean, I guess I should say, like the obvious best thing about this coolest thing is the imagery from the hell section, no doubt. So, so just aside from that, we'll get to that. Yeah, what, like what you just said, all that's going on. The character, the, the 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 drama, let's say, all that is uh, help support what I describe as an overall mood of uh, the idea that just death is always impending. Hmm. That mm-hmm. just you know, just even without the even before the hell stuff at the end, there was just this tone and atmosphere to it. We just felt it just felt dour and. Like you felt like you were at a funeral the whole time almost. Like from that, um, the opening shot of a, you know, like a real coffin and someone inside of it. And then it starts with that refrain that we hear throughout it, which is that sort of somewhere between chanting and singing Japanese style we heard mm-hmm. from Kwaidon. 
the refrain they repeat over and over and we hear at the beginning is, a human life is not but two scores in 10 years, which uh, a score being 20 years, so <laughs> human life being 50 years. Uh, we hear that throughout. And then just, yeah, then the ceiling of the coffin. And then everyone's dying, like you said. <laughs> There's this car accidents, which I thought, I don't know, it was interesting, both like the idea of, like there's the the scene that was kind of around the train yards where kind of like mm. Damien Omen 2, you know, train as metaphor in film. Uh, it's an often used metaphor, but here in the sense of, yeah, just a sort of unstoppable force kind of got a sense of just, which there you go, death, our, yeah. our, our uh, mortality. Also the transitive nature of a train, right? You're, take, you're moving from one place mm. to another, right? Yeah, but then even just thinking about the, since it does happen more than once, the car accident thing of the car accident more so than the trains. It's sort of like since people are, I mean, yeah, there's a train conductor, but as far as like we are the ones driving, you mm-hmm. know, the cars, mm-hmm. there seems to be something more embedded than that. I don't know about like a certain, I don't know, audacity is too strong of a word, but a certain kind of like, taking life into your own hands hmm. or... I mean, we know how dangerous and ridiculous cars are. Like, we know the statistics of car deaths, but we still have an infrastructure built around them. Yeah. You know, it's it's crazy. But just something about, like, a, a certain... certain uh, you know, like, like laughing in death's face almost. It feels like a sort of subtle everyday form of that. Yeah, that's interesting. But then, yeah, then it just goes on with poisoning people. <laughs> just life is life is fickle and fragile, and it's throughout it, and that is very moody and got to me. I think part of the the why or the reason or the why of this movie, uh, the resulting moodiness and um, just the tone of it is that it's a real roller coaster. I mean, like moment to moment and as well as scene to scene you're going really highs really lows um which is essentially just sort of a it's the reversal thing in a way and usually that's pretty effective um tool to use to 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 keep us on board and keep us kind of feeling like whoa wait what do you mean what highs and lows what kind of highs and lows you know so it's like um, even just the begin, the opening, well, not the opening, but the beginning with Shiro in class, right? And uh, it's a pretty like, no, it seems like a pretty normal thing. And then like his friend shows up and like throws a rose onto, onto his desk. And it's sort of like, there's a lot of everything's chill everything's kind of heightened like oh my god what's going on yeah and then something nice happens right he he sees his fiance and that that dinner's cool but then his friend pops up again and it's sort of like it's constantly kind of going from like oh i think we're okay to well nope we're not okay to like oh that was really bad like let's regroup and there's sort of this hot this this loop-de-loop or not loop-de-loop, but this up-and-down nature yeah. to everything that's going on, and it, it just carries through constantly. It's often uh, brought on by T- Tamura, Very that friend. Very much so. Who's, uh, he, I mean, my assumption, 
was that he was like a ghost because the way he literally appeared and disappears and like replaces another person and then disappears is so like well, in the, Shiro they, is seeing him in yeah. that, that way. But then we gather, oh wait, no, everyone's kind of seeing he is his They friend. call him a demon. Okay. He says I'm a demon in the in the hell scene eventually. Yeah. Now, but still, does that a- mean literally, or are they, <laughs> is that just sort of like they're saying, "Oh my God, you're such a demon"? But it was interesting. It kind of felt like an early uh, iteration of something like the wailing, where we're really questioning yeah. whether someone is has supernatural powers, totally. or is someone actually seeing this or not? What's Feels going very on? trickstery. Yeah, right? exactly. You know, so maybe that's just kind of the archetypal thing that they were going for. Um, but I like that. I like this sort of sense of like we're always constantly trying to reset the pins and then getting them knocked over and trying to reset them and knock them over. And and it's kind of coming from all different angles. Um, so I like I like all that. I think that that creates this unsettling mood that you're always a little like anticipating the next the next thing yeah um whether like that when she falls off the bridge when she's trying to shoot him and she falls off a bridge the way like it was this interesting combination where like it kind of you could tell it's fake but at the same time it's like doesn't look fake like you're like wait but the body's moving and then the way she hits the rock at the bottom it's just gruesome and it is pretty early so oh it makes you wonder you're like maybe that is what it looks like when a real body goes flying yeah i don't know it's just there's a component of how the film is edited that i think adds to this feeling this mood of of you know, almost you're you're never really on firm footing. Well, think of like the, I mean, the opening credits set that up so well. Yeah. Like the, the it's almost like a twisted, eerie, like it's like a ghost Japanese James Bond intro mm-hmm. or something like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. But the music, what it does, it's like doing one thing and then all of a sudden it cuts out and a voice comes on and says something and then intense weird like acid jazz comes on it's just all over the place it's like frank zappa's weirdest stuff or something and you're it's it's i mean that's made me think that's a perfect example of what you're talking about this kind of jarringness these Mm -hmm. highs or lows can go anywhere at once it's got a surrealism sort of thing to it um just hard hard cuts into like suddenly we're in a different place and like (laughs) And like most of the time, what I do like about because I'm not a hundred percent on that style, I, I think it can work. But one of the ways they make it work in this is by most of the time when they do a really hard jump into another scene, they don't jump into a lead up of a scene. They jump into the middle of a new scene, and so I think that's. Good. I think that helps that style carry on. Otherwise, you might get into this sort of it. It would. I think it would it'd be start and stop too much, where you feel like you're never really getting anywhere. Maybe, but it doesn't matter because this doesn't do that. Like it does this other thing, and I think that's cool. Yeah. The let's see what else. I mean, I'm just trying to think now. Pre anything before the hell stuff because <laughs> i just keep thinking of that now like even when you said how we how quickly we transition and i'm just thinking of god yeah when they transition to hell you just 
he just he falls and then he's there. <laughs> what I like the most that gets paid off by us going to hell eventually is just how ugly everybody is as a person. Mm. And like watching Shiro kind of quietly just move through that. Like he doesn't really comment on anything. He doesn't push back on anything. He's kind of just an observer. I mean, he's suffering from his own kind of guilt. Um, and like, I think that helps with us to sort of be like, relate to him as a character. But he's very, we're him, right? Like the audience, he's our, he's our touchstone. And we sort of, we're very much seeing the world through his eyes, even though that's not always the case, literally. Um, but we, you know, we sympathize with him and we relate to him. At least I think that's the intent. And I felt that way. So everybody around him has like pretty big issues, <laughs> like everybody, you know, his fiance's parents are, you know, mourning, but also the dad has some weird history that he's hiding. Um, his, well, his best friend is, I don't know if you can put him into this category because he is this other sort of entity. Um, but his dad, his dad, you know, is kind of a gross dude. The doctor in the town is kind of a not a cool guy. He's not really helpful. He's everybody there. And they have a scene where they call it all out, as I said, is just they're really ugly. They're showing the ugliness that humans can be. Um, it's, it, Yeah, it was interesting, too, just as commentary, like it seems like. I don't know, this is maybe stereotyping like what I see in Japanese movies or like I was just watching um, that Ozu uh, movie, was it uh, Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon with the kids going around town? Uh, You know, the kids who just uh, get, who want the TV. And um, it's like so much is predicated on just like everyone in this little village is just gossiping about each other. And it's just the sense of, yeah, I don't know, or... The, yet you, you like like you get that okay so everyone's gossiping at each other but it's just like so clear at a certain point but everyone is like guilty of something too so you just oh, kind of go like what are you all doing I, it's yeah i think it kind of falls into that thing um i'm sure there's many different schools of thought of how you define this but i i kind of look at it just as like you know on the spectrum of self actualization is that right? Actualization? Self. You have it. Yeah, yeah that's, that's right. Man, it sounded really weird coming out of my mouth. On the, the spectrum of that, the lower end of that spectrum is kind of this stuff. Well, I everybody's kind of exhibiting the thing, the, the part of us that we should, I think, strive to not fall prey to. Well, I feel like that's what I think of when I think of heaven and hell and these concepts they're all metaphor for the present and your life if at any given time are you existing so to speak yeah in the heaven that's available to you or the hell that's available to you i don't think that was like intentional here i think it was here it's just sort of setting up bad people they're gonna go to hell 
But uh, it's just interesting how the metaphor carries over all the same. Yeah, it's hard to know. I wondered if they were trying to lean. Oh, well, I guess I, you know, is this a sort of a, like a sin thing where we're actually like everybody's taking on a component of like sin or like, and I don't know the cu- cultural overlap between like, say, uh, seven deadly sins is is what a Judeo-Christian Thing. I don't actually know if that's entirely accurate, but <laughs> seems like a European thing to me. Um, probably goes further back than that. But I don't know if, if Eastern culture and, and they do talk about Buddhism a fair amount at, at one point in the middle of the movie. Oh, yeah. I mean, in uh, this movie, they bring up Buddhism and its ideas of the eight levels of hell. Oh, right. Yeah. So I don't know if there's an overlap with that stuff, but it's sort of regardless it's it's the same gist of of ideas that you know you, you can there are different sort of components to being a good person and and to a bad being a bad person and you can fall into those but if you do you're going to suffer the consequences well this is applicable right now it's going to say this to things of note but naraka is the word of hell in the purgatory or hell realm in uh buddhism And uh, they say, a naraka differs from the hell of Christianity in two respects. Firstly, beings are not sent to naraka as the result of a divine judgment or punishment. And secondly, the length of a being's stay in naraka is not eternal, though it is usually incomprehensibly long, from hundreds of millions to sextillions of years. (laughs) Wow. Aggressive. I mean, that's a reason not to be like a jerk. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but again, wait, so it's a, a being is born into a naraka as a direct result of its accumulated actions and resides there for a finite period of time until that karma has achieved its full result. After its karma is used up, it will be reborn in one of the higher worlds as the result of karma that has not yet ripened. So wait, based on that, I don't understand how <laughs> they're saying Christianity is not, or how naraka is not the result of divine judgment or punishment. It kind of sounds like that still, but... Uh, it's the difference between some, so the judgment is exacted by an external rather than the judgment being a, a, uh, a result of your, your action. Yeah. Yeah. So there's not a third party involved. Got it. Yeah. Whereas in Christianity, I think, you know, whatever version you're looking at tends to have this notion of judgment. Like somebody's going to say, you're going to get to a certain place and they're gonna, there's going to be a, a being there that goes yay or nay. <laughs> well, this is uh, this version is more appropriate, I think, for that uh, classic, like the heavy guilt that we get with like a lot of Japanese culture and stories. Yeah. I mean, this felt very Greek, you know, sort of to me, the, the same kind of archetypes and themes. It's, it's, I forget which Greek myth it is, but there's the the myth of the guy who goes to try and save his wife from Hades. And I forget exactly how it goes, but on the way out, they say, if you if, don't look over your shoulder and he, and he can't resist and he ends up looking over his shoulder and that like condemns him, you know, it's got kind of this morality, uh, mythological vibe to it. Yeah, that I, I mean, that I quite liked. You, even down to like some of the scenes of like right before the hell scene when they drink the poison, that mm-hmm. felt like you're reading yeah. it from an old fable or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That scene, I mean, it got to me too of just 
the way she says, oh yeah, no, I'll, I'll drink it first. I'll prove it's not poison. And then they pass it around and all die. And that, you know, just the way they're assured, like I was caught yeah. up in it too, of like, oh, this is fine to drink. We're all, we're all safe doing this. And then they all <laughs> choke and die I right there. Like, but yeah. I don't know. That was also just that feeling of like, that eerie feeling of death is ever present mm -hmm. and just, Oh yeah, we, we take for granted. This thing is safe always. I don't know. It was uh, that scene. And that, that, well, that sequence really, really reminded me of like the Dionysus sort of, um, or not Dionysus. Yeah. Dionysus. Uh, uh, there's a, there's a Greek, I think it's a Greek tragedy called the, the Bacchae or the Bacchus Bacchae. My friend directed it in college and she would kill me for not knowing exactly what it is. But it's got that same kind of thing, right? It's like, don't revel too much or you'll, you know, you'll miss something or like there'll be consequences that cost you, you know, your loved ones or whatever. Like it's, it's got a very similar vibe to it. So I, I have no idea whether or not that, you know, was in the, the consciousness of the filmmakers or if it's just, in, it's a part of, you know, their mythos and they were pulling from that either way it's good it there's felt, a reason yeah. these stories continue to be told over all of human history right it felt mythosy yeah so <laughs> i like all that stuff that stuff's really cool well it's nice i guess just to bring us right up to the hell moment too i loved the clock stopping <laughs> and uh, i think they even said like a clock a stopped clock is a bad omen they do yeah, yeah that's right it stops yeah, right um, at 9 30 and then just to tie it all back to I love how we go back to the frozen clock at the end um oh and also how it's shot where it's on its side ticking yeah, so yeah. the ticking of the clock is going up and down which I don't know that's that's visually I think on uh yeah. on point with everything else we've been talking about is going on thematically I hadn't made that connection but it, I wonder if then the the gear the giant gear that uh Shiro's son or daughter, I forget actually if the baby daughter. Is, is it a daughter. That the the that's the wheel that the daughter is on that he has to climb onto and like save her from now that I think about it is very much like the gear of yeah, like a watch Just or a clock. The one last thing I had on that stopped clock was I liked how we cut back to it at the end because it almost made it feel like rather than a broken clock, it was sort of getting at like time doesn't hold any weight, you know, in terms of like hell or death realms and the living realm. <laughs> As sure. if like in this single moment of time that they just died, everything we just watched just occurred. Absolutely. That's cool. That's why I kind of got out of cutting back to it. I kind of felt like the whole movie was that. That like... That you could you could just say this whole movie was, you know, a, a, a moment in the in the dozing of Shiro in class. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like it really kind of had that feel. Which I I like that stuff. I like dreamy, weird. You know, what is real? Different it, realms. It, that kind I guess of shit. It, it could work that way. Where it, I mean, it feels like that. Of he's sitting in class, you're dozing off, and then like your friend throws the the flower on there and then you're in the dream and yes yeah. <laughs> yeah all of that is cool the archetypes are cool the mythos is cool the morality stuff is cool like i so from a sort of baseline structural i guess structural is not the right word uh thematic conceptual place, con, yeah conceptual place i really like all of that 
Great. Well, then how about onto the hell stuff? <laughs> I mean, it's it's hard because it's like, it's all just great. Like you said, it's weird, it's wacko. But like every single visual, once we're there, it's yeah. just pretty captivating. Like from the get-go, and it's just so creative how the shots are done too, where you just, they had some big old studio, empty studio to do whatever, big sound stage. And like from the get-go, I love when he falls. There's like the shot where <laughs> it's like, they have the camera upside down or whatever. So it looks like he's falling, yeah. like, you know, yeah. falling down. <laughs> he's just waving his arms or whatever. And there's smoke <laughs> going behind him. It's so good. I love how simple that is. Yeah. It's literally just turning the frame upside down at, of, of a guy from like the waist up, holding his hands over his head going. Oh. Yeah, exactly. But then, so, <laughs> I mean, so this just helped me out here. Some visuals that I just remembered and stuck <sighs> with me. I got down. But the um, the people buried up to their heads in the pits, so the the river when we first see it that they're just marching yeah. out to. Then at the end, we talked about this wheel and the baby and him just sort of stuck on there, mm-hmm. like not able to reach her. Uh, I said the falling into hell when when uh, there be it's being uh, laid out to them. First, you will be flayed, and then we cut so to this good. gruesome imagery where their heads are still together, but then their bodies are flayed. They're just like the bones and guts exposed, and we watch them like pull the skin sack off of away from the body. Oh, it's right. so gnarly. We have uh, like naked women covering themselves. Then that cuts quickly to imagery of snakes. Mm-hmm. And then uh, that there's the like the spike pit area that they're getting impaled in. I really like that there's one uh, force perspective shot. I mean, there's a few, but there's one in particular where Shiro is like, be, he's kind of, he's upside down with the spear through his neck. Um, but he's super tiny in in the he's like middle shot, super tiny. And then in the foreground is the devil's big head. And then there's another being on the other side, sort of mid ground. Oh, yeah, yeah. And what it and because it's all just surrounded in, in darkness, it gives you the impression that the devil is huge. And, you know, Shiro is the size of like what maybe his nose and he's right next to him. And then there's this other creature. I forget what the other thing is. It's like. I don't remember who is middle sized, you know, like kind of lording over it, but just that kind of stuff that create creativity and, you know, force perspective things or just trick camera tricks to give the landscape depth or like the, the stacks of rocks stuff where it's super like we're camera on the ground with the rocks right in the foreground. And then like you get this sprawling kind of scene backing away from it i really like that that the visuals just are they're just so fun all around (laughs) yeah um not not on the visuals but just in the hell sequence i thought it was really smart however they came up with it but the thing with saving the daughter basically Mm -hmm. because once you're in hell you kind of go okay well shiro's he's he's dead they're dead so like what are our stakes here right but so the idea though and it's it's i can't see what else like the stakes could be that's so smart well what if for some reason the baby's here in incarnation like a parent wanting to save their child who's somehow stuck in this realm too like that's the one thing where it's like you know they wouldn't be indifferent towards you know? right, right. <laughs> it's a very strong uh motivating factor and it's even though despite him being dead, you'd still fight for. 
Well, exactly. I mean, it gives us a third act to like, um, just a, a, a what do you, what do we even call it? It's a, a challenge. It's a thing that it's a task, yeah. right? He has to solve the the problem. Which just yeah, when you're when he first goes down there, you're kind of like, well, where's this gonna go? Like I'd be down for just watching him descend to the different levels, but that uh is really smart how they right. did that. Yeah. It's more along the lines of an adventure rather <laughs> than us just watching people get killed yeah. or tortured. <laughs> Which is great too. But... Also happened. <laughs> so um, doubling up. Great. I mean, did you have any other specifics here? I mean, this is it's hard to I there's don't know something what say there's on something it. really pleasing about the way once they are all just sort of a crowd of people frantically running around in like gray, everything's gray, they're gray. Uh, a lot of them have like this sort of stockade thing around their necks. There's oh, yeah. something about the way that that is shot. I think what it is is that they put the camera pretty far away on a very long lens and then shot into the crowd. So you have this really interesting like compression of the space. Devil's eye view. Yeah, it's super cool. And it's of a time. Like I don't know. It 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 was triggering some sort of sense like uh nostalgia for me, but I don't I don't exactly know how to like put my finger on it. Yeah. 70s i don't know (laughs) or something like that even though this is the 1960 but it had this weird cool feel to it and i just i don't know i enjoyed it this i think this is one of the shots you're talking about that i should just point out is like the one that maybe got to me the most in just some sort of like i don't know an eerie eerie way just really felt it was when it's the group of people like you described all gray and they're crawling towards this like miniature oh, water pit yes. hole in the middle. It's right after that, but yes. Oof. Yep. Oh, that one. So just, good. Something about that really got to me. Yeah, the water evaporating before they can get there looked really cool. Just the helplessness of what they're doing yeah. and just the, the group of them all. And, uh. Yeah, I mean, we're in hell. We should be watching people suffer, right? <laughs> like that's that's the idea. Yeah. <laughs> great yeah all in all i I mean i think if you're in the mood if you're in the right mood and you're and now having seen it kind of being able to hold on to the story a little bit more i think it's one of those ones that will be more enjoyable on repeated viewings and perhaps another have on at a party film for you does it make the cut the hell sequence certainly does (laughs) Like without question, I I don't know. I kind of like there the is idea. a lot of really good sh- stuff in the other the rest of. I the kind movie, of like so. that turn. You're just kind of what is this like weird? Just this, <laughs> this like yeah. Japanese crime movie? What is going on here? Right. And then all of a sudden, yep, off to the races. <laughs> yeah, it was cool. Great. One last one. I just got to point it out. This is one of those things. It's like only the Japanese ha- know how to do this so well, and I love it so much. <laughs> But all the screams throughout the movie, mm. and there's so many, and I feel like I've pointed this out in other Japanese movies we've watched too, where like a good scream just gets me really jazzed up. And this one, there were just some whole sections where you're just cutting to person screaming, person screaming, yeah. person screaming. And just every time, they're just giving it their all. It's... <laughs> It's it's great. I don't know. It'll say on it, but uh, love love those screams. Japanese know how to do it. I definitely had I had a moment 
of thought when I believe it was uh, his fiance was screaming in hell that I was like, that's a good scream. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like just, just a fleeting thought of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Great, great. That's why you got cast. No. Awesome. Uh, yes, last little thing I had. So with that, I think you're good, Tim. Yeah. We'll move on to our next section. What did not work? It's not ready yet. Seems to work okay. No, something important's missing. What did not work? <laughs> I mean, it's hard if this was just a first viewing thing or not, but I was kind of feeling what you had mentioned before. I don't I don't know if I am totally on board with this concept, but you've mentioned before that in uh, non-American films, there'll be a longer first mm. act. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. Maybe if I was just feeling that a little bit, or maybe it was because I knew that we were going to go to a hell at a certain point. I was just waiting for it to happen. Maybe I was just getting lost in everything. But that that first chunk felt long in the first viewing. So I don't know, like not huge what did not work for me, but it's kind of all I have. Yeah, that was, I kind of agreed that there's sort of this seemingly aimless meandering throughout the whole, I guess, well, I don't know if you would even call it to your point, if you would call it a second act, but let's just for argument's sake, say the middle hour of the movie. Um, maybe a little less than an hour. Let's say the middle 45 minutes. I kept just kind of thinking like, I'm just like, what, like, where are we going? Like, I know we're going to hell eventually, but like none of this feels like it's, it's leading us there. It ultimately did. But there was a long section where I kind of just was like, I'm gonna check out if like i don't get something that i really can sink my teeth into yeah that's how i was feeling and then it, it picked up for me when the mom passed away i thought just yeah. kind of like, like a clear felt like a turned a semi-inciting incident i don't know but but then like i said too in what worked like there was still this overall like sense of impending death mood yeah. that that i think was more than just knowing we were going to be going to hell so i don't know part of me felt like this is a tricky thing, actually. I, I don't, you know, it's not something I think about often, but when you, when you, uh, you want your characters to, to at least be sort of related to archetypes. I think that's a good thing to at least have a sense of where you might place them archetypally. You don't have to be strict about it or anything, but I, I think that's important. I think the risk that can happen is if you over archetype them, you inadvertently two dimensionalize them. If you do it too much, if you don't give them enough of them, of their own characteristics, if you rely on their character, just being the archetype, because we know the archetype and the archetypes are, you know, uh, long standing, And we, you know, we, we can, key into them easily if you don't also give them character or at least sort of expand the the character a little bit in terms of the story you're telling i think the danger is that sometimes it just becomes the archetype becomes a little more like a caricature are you saying 
that's what happened here a little bit or that there wasn't enough uh, of that to help follow them. In the middle (laughs) of the movie, all of these side characters didn't really feel like people to me. And I I think part of that maybe is a result of, of leaning too heavily on us just kind of implicitly understanding the archetypes. Well, it's weird because it worked with the trickster archetype friend character. He works great. Don't I, I agree. It's all the people in the small town. For some reason, I was just like, I get who you all are, but I don't feel like I'm getting enough to care about any of you. Maybe that's all it is, actually. Maybe I'm overthinking it. <laughs> um, but it just felt very... I mean, that's also, though, writing the line of where it's up front that these are all unlikable people. and Yeah. But, yeah. Part of it maybe is... Huh. Nobody has, like, an actual heart-to-heart conversation in this movie. No, but I mean... That's not this movie. Exactly. It, that's That wouldn't be dour enough. No, but but as a result... I think it keeps us at a distance a little bit. Yeah, maybe if they had something like that more up front. I don't know. Right, right. I don't know. It's an interesting thing. But regardless of all of that, it felt... There, I don't know. It, it, it meandered a little into a territory where I was like, okay... Yeah. Well, again, I'm I'm curious to see how this one sits with me as things often grow on me, but we'll see. Yeah. I also, I mean, this is not a thing that didn't work, I guess. <laughs> Maybe is I, it a thing of note? Yeah, it's a thing of note. How do I remember this one? Uh, I'll write a note to myself right now. I mean, right I think we could just move on to things of note and you don't have to remember. <laughs> Okay, sure. I don't have anything else. I don't really either. Great. Okay. I have, <laughs> I have two things of note. All right, here we go. Next section. Things of note. Things of note! <laughs> this should be interesting. Uh, okay, so th- this is more note of, of note. I, <laughs> your cat is is snoring. Or something. <laughs> so I have the feeling that I would really enjoy this movie if the goal with me watching the movie was to make it again. Wait, if the goal, wait, say, <laughs> if I was tasked with remaking this uh-huh. movie, I think I would much, much more enjoy the movie because it'd be about digging into like a a different way of looking at it to get the juice out of it to remake it. So you're saying since it's a more of a thing of note to point, you're pointing out that your non-default way of consuming a film would have made you enjoy it more. Yeah. Okay. Which is weird. It's not, that's certainly not, a, it's not something that didn't work. Yeah. It's just weird. I, I, I found myself thinking, oh, damn, 
there's so much cool stuff in here. So, uh, this movie to having a really comprehensive understanding of it right. would benefit it a lot, but at the same time, I don't want to remake yeah. by any means, right? <laughs> like I don't really like that as a general rule. So that's not what I, I'm not saying. I'm compelled to remake it. I'm just saying if that were the setup, I think I would have enjoyed it more. Yeah. It's almost like it'd become more academic in a way. And I don't really want to watch a movie for academic purposes as a general rule. But I, I don't know. It's I think the the most important thing though, a lot of them is that this the overall feel like that is not the academic analysis. Like that's what I think great movies sort of lend themselves to and what the show's all about and I guess especially with the good ones but we we absorb then we Mm -hmm, go back mm -hmm. to analyze what those feelings were all about I think part of what I'm feeling and this is just it's a I guess it's sort of just a really basic way to to conceptualize bridging the gap between uh myself and foreign films that like the language barrier having to read subtitles like knowing that I'm visually going to be missing stuff unless I watch it again and so wanting or or <laughs> like yearning for a experience with this movie or or any foreign film really where I can close that gap like, those are hurdles in front of me, I feel like, and I wish I could remove them. And so conceptually, one way that I sometimes think is like, well, if I remade this, then I would be able to close that gap. But I never actually want to remake anything. <laughs> so that's not like the goal. It's, it's very just conceptual. Got it. Got it. Interesting. I have one more thing to note. Do you remember the moment that Tamura <laughs> in hell spins away into the darkness. Vaguely. It's like, it's like the greatest sort of just, I don't know how to even uh, quantify it. It's super dumb and super <laughs> okay. awesome. I remember it now. super goofy yeah but like weirdly works and he's like yelling hands over his head and just twirling (laughs) but like slow slow twirling into the darkness Uh it's just everything about it is just so what oh cool (laughs) but not cool yeah so i guess that's why it's a thing of note for me because i'm like i don't even know what to think of it that sounds like a what worked because it kind of is i guess because for something that's like eerie (laughs) disturbing hell inexplicable i just kept thinking i'm like man to be that actor in that moment perhaps a precursor to the term lynchian i yeah for (laughs) real (laughs) um that's all i have though great well i said some more um Things on uh, the film, well, no, no, on the film itself, outside of the story world, the filmmaking world, the response to it, it was very, very mixed. Where apparently uh, people either really enjoyed it or really did not enjoy it. And Shocking. The the general way to split up that consensus 
was the filmmaker said it was the younger people who'd enjoyed it more than the older people, which I thought was interesting. I, I yeah, I, that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> the um the younger people they said like were just just very taken by all its themes and the imagery, just all everything that we were just talking about. And it was the older people who sort of, maybe it was because they knew the context of it, that it was the studio's last film that was kind of rushed into production that they said, oh, it was, uh, wasn't thought out enough. Hmm. Just kind of, I think they just kind of didn't maybe give it a chance. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I thought this was fun too, where the, the screenwriters and the producer agreed to make a film that would be called Heaven and Hell. And when the producer read it, he said, well, what is this? This is just hell. <laughs> and then uh, the screenwriter's kind of retort to that was, well, we'll get to heaven in the sequel. <laughs> so straight up just... Uh, what a pitch. Made hell, yeah. <laughs> wow. You know, this, I guess, is a thing that worked. But let's just say it's a thing of note. Um. To that point that this is just a movie of like it is just hell. Um, I do like this. Um, what do you call it? The sort of the premise of the world that is supposed to be reality is just as hellish and torturous as the actual hell that that the character gets to. Well, I mean that's. Kind of what I was. I love that. That was kind of what I was pointing as the definition. You right. know, heaven and hell are what's are either or available to us in our waking, yeah, yeah. waking reality, right. if you will. Uh, God, I mean, I don't know. How can I say this? It's maybe we're like we're what you started saying. Where my mind went. It's just kind of like an eerie thing. Is this the concept of like our reality here? Is this like? just this kind of like shell of experience and then these other realms that they get to in this movie of existence and after death are like the, what it really is, you know, that's <laughs> <laughs> just, it's just a trip to think in terms of like, all right, here's reality. Now everything else of that is we, we agree is something else we don't know, but I, I don't know. It's, it can be interesting to check up with the idea where, that just the opposite is true. Yeah. I think that uh, resonates with uh, a lot of people. Yeah, I can see that. Great. Well? Well, Tim, if we're going to wind down here with Jigoku, sounds like we're ready for that. We can wind down with some recommendations. <laughs> we need a little, we want to hit a button and have some sort of laugh for that. Like we don't need to stop to have a full transition. <laughs> recommendations. We like, need we, like we, one of those like Halloween to... things where you like, you know, it's like a crow or a skull or a skeleton or something. You just push a button. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, um, until then. Yeah. Recommendations. I hope I didn't recommend dead this last week. Did I? Did I recommend Dead Sex Education? No. Good, because uh, that's what I'm recommending this week. It's a Netflix series. And it is... So generally speaking, I and I'm, I probably have said this before, I tend not to like gravitate toward comedies in general and in particular TV show comedies. Okay. Um, but... 
and and this is listed as a comedy, but it is the right. It's the perfect like combination for me of it's a depiction of high school it takes place in England, but it doesn't matter. It's super universal. The, the, like the high school experience stuff that's in this movie. Wait, it's um, a show or a movie? It's a TV show. And it's very funny. It's about a kid whose mom is a sex therapist. Um, he's like 16, I think. And through a series of, of events, people realize that he gives good sex advice and they're high schoolers and they're all, you know, trying to sort that out for themselves. So he sort of starts a secret um, clinic essentially for, you know, sex therapy for his peers. Like mother, like son. Right. But man, ah, just watch it. The characters are so good. The acting is fantastic. The best friend that I should look up who the actor is, his performance is like freaky phenomenal (laughs) um it's super super touching like bring you to tears every episode or on the verge of i mean i love uh high school dramedies yeah so it's it's just hitting that perfect sort of note between comedy quick smart comedy real life and tragic just the tragic absurdity of our existence set uh modern day modern day yeah it's cool. so good and remind us what it's called sex education great available on netflix yep cool all right well i was uh trying to round out seeing all of uh sophia coppola's movies i hadn't seen yet i was so close i was just like oh i've seen half of them i just want to see the rest of them so I triple featured uh, The Beguiled, Marie Antoinette, and The Bling Ring. I loved them all, but the one out of those, if I had to pick one to recommend dead, would be Marie Antoinette. Did yeah. you see that with Kristen Dunst? I don't think I watched the... I think I watched part of it. I don't think I watched the whole thing. <laughs> Let's see, actually, on Letterboxd. It does not have a Tim watch this Yeah, so if I didn't finish it, I, I didn't put it on. <laughs> Great. Uh, I've seen maybe... I think I've seen 20 minutes of it or something. Like the middle 20 where I was like, well, I, I don't know what's going on, so I should stop watching. It was just great. It was really funny. Don't know what else to say about it. I really enjoyed Marie Antoinette. Check it out. Cool. All right, Tim. Well, the hat's sitting right by you. I'd love to know what we're going to watch next week. Would you now? I can I can make that happen if I can reach the hat without killing myself. All right. Here we go. Shuffle, 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 shuffle. Grab. This one. It's bent. Oh, no. We already... Wait, did we watch this? No. Wait, did we? Did we watch... I've seen it. It's Event Horizon. We have not dismembered Event Horizon. (laughs) I guess I watched it recently in my life. Great. Probably like two years ago. Awesome. I think there's a new uh, Blu-ray release of it. We'll try to get that. I haven't seen it since like high school. Sam Neill, baby. And that was, I believe, submitted to us by a friend. Yep. And uh, we have a possible guest for that one who uh, said they'd love to speak to it, uh, speak about it with us. Okay. So let's see if that happens to be determined. Far out.
All right. I've been wanting to see it again. We'll finish our Sam Neill going insane trilogy for our for our show here. Yeah. What did we do already? Possession um, and in oh, the yeah. mouth of madness. That's right. In the mouth of madness. Awesome. Yeah. Sweet. Great. <laughs> Great. Typecast Sam Neill. All right. Well, until then, you can find us wherever you found us, or we got an Instagram, we got an email, all that kind of good stuff. It's true. <laughs> Is that? It's true. <laughs> Um, well, what have I been doing lately? Social media. Oh yeah, I make fun little things for uh, the the Instagram. Great. Hey. Tim's gonna make you fun little yeah. things for the Instagram. I post stills there of what we're watching. Yep, really exciting. But either way, no matter what, uh, we appreciated you being here. We appreciate you being here. We hope to see you again soon. And in closing, whatever layer of hell you may find yourself in, thanks for listening. I'm in the third and a half layer, if you're wondering. We'll see you next time. (laughs) Goodbye. Goodbye.